Welcome to the Climate Risk Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hurley, from the consulting firm ICF. In this podcast series, we'll explore the concept of climate risk. We'll learn about the steps that businesses, utilities, and other organizations are taking to understand their climate risk, how they're addressing it, and what they're doing to disclose their climate risk to investors and other stakeholders. To launch the series, I asked my colleague Peter Schultz to explain what we mean when we talk about climate risk from a business perspective and to describe some of the factors that are driving businesses to understand and reduce their climate risk. Peter is the Vice President for Climate Change and Resilience at ICF, where he focuses on analyzing climate risk and opportunities in the private sector. We spoke in his office in Washington, D.C. Climate risk can take a couple of forms, and the two main buckets that I and many others think about that risk is as physical risk and as transition risk. And so physical risk is direct property damage. So when there is an increase in the number or intensity or severity of weather events that directly damage a business or its profitability, that's one aspect of physical risk. Another aspect of physical risk is when a business loses the ability to sell things or its customers lose access to that business. Another way physical impacts of weather on the business can be manifested is by affecting the supply chain. So, for example, back in 2011, there was some severe flooding that happened in Thailand. And one of the things that that did was it knocked out the production of computer hard disks. And that doubled the price of hard disks worldwide, and it thereby increased the prices of computers that are sold around the world. Another thing that it did uh, here in the United States is by knocking out the, the production of parts, it affected the ability of automobile manufacturers in the United States to build cars. So those are a number of ways in which physical risk can be manifested to businesses. But there's the second kind of risk, which is transition risk. And and that's risk where things are changing. So changes in regulation, changes in legislation, changes in market preferences. An obvious example of this would be a company that's really heavily invested in fossil fuels. And if there is a transition to a, a lower carbon economy, so perhaps there are regulations or there's legislation that's put in place that puts price on carbon or otherwise makes it difficult for a business that's invested that way to, to prosper, then there could be a downturn for that particular business. So are there actually a lot of companies that are working on this, that are actually evaluating their, their climate risk? Is this something that's becoming a thing? Yeah, it, it is becoming a thing. And it's it's really accelerating in terms of the, the ways in which companies are thinking about this. And we've seen this change really in the last five or so years. And there are a couple of things that are driving it. One is that coming out of the 2008 
economic turmoil, there was a group that was formed out of the G20 where they were looking at ways to prevent things like another 2008 economic disaster. So one of the risks that they looked at was risks associated with climate change. And they created something called the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or the TCFD. And this TCFD process outlined a number of key principles and processes that businesses can use to understand and to address risk. And this is being taken really seriously. For example, in France, Article 173 was passed, and that article requires that major businesses operating in France must analyze and disclose their climate risks, whether that's a physical risk or whether that's a transition risk. And the EU and the UK are both poised to enact uh, some legislation that would do the same. So it it's being taken pretty seriously. There are a number of other drivers. You know, I think at the top of that list is businesses just frankly seeing the impacts to their own operations, to their own bottom line and seeing it happen to their their competitors and want to take steps to avoid the negative happening to them. But there's an another there's a flip side to this and that some businesses are looking at opportunities associated with climate change as well. For example, a, a business that is working in, in a natural resource sector, let's say forestry, the places that are good now for a particular kind of plantation might not be so good 10, 20 years in the future. And so businesses are taking active steps to understand where they need to be positioned in the future. Other businesses are thinking about uh, technology. So the technologies that are good for today may not be the technologies that they want to be invested in the future. And so they're thinking about those opportunities and ways to beat their competition to those places. It's kind of like what Wayne, Wayne Gretzky used to talk about, about the puck. Don't, don't go where the puck is right now. Go where it's going to be. Are there particular sectors that are sort of leading the way on this or that are more active than others? Yeah. Here at ICF, we're working with a number of energy utilities that are really proactive in understanding the risks that they face and trying to do some concrete things to increase the reliability of the service that they provide, as well as the overall sort of major resilience to big significant impacts and shocks. So that, that's one of the uh, sectors that can be an early adopter. We see it across the natural resource sectors. Um, we see some places in real estate. And another kind of feature that, that tends to distinguish early adopters is, is size. So it tends to be the bigger companies that have had the bandwidth to take on consideration of climate risks and opportunities. You mentioned that France has a disclosure law. Are there any yeah. other countries that are that are doing that or consider what about the EU or? Yeah, there are discussions underway in the EU to formalize that. And there are also discussions in the UK in association with the Bank of England, which has been an active player in the task force on climate-related financial disclosures. And it seems likely that there will be some legislation at the level of the EU and in the UK. There hasn't been a lot of formal discussion that has been proposed in the United States to take this on at the corporate level. But I should say that uh, in, in the Obama administration, there was an executive order that, for example, required that all investments made by U.S. agencies overseas had to consider climate risks to those investments. 
And I think it's possible that that will um, arise again in the future. And I imagine if something does happen at the EU level, then multinational companies based in the U.S. may want to have some kind of harmonization or that's right. level playing field. Yeah, and that's that's in part why it tends to be the multinationals that are the early adopters, the, the ones that are first um, thinking about climate change, because even though if a company is based in the United States, they may have operations in France, EU, UK, et cetera. And the fact that those European entities are taking this so seriously then comes back to their, their U.S. operations and their U.S.-based planning. Do you know of any smaller businesses that are looking at this? Yeah. Um, well, a, a really um, good example of the uh, kind of company that's on the front lines is small ski resorts. I mean, they are struggling. Here where we are in the U.S. Mid-Atlantic region, it's, it's a really tough business and it's gotten tougher in the last decade and a half. So that's a really obvious uh, kind of impact and an obvious kind of industry. But out West, they have seen, in staying with the ski industry, that industry has, has seen impacts on the order of billions of dollars in the last couple of decades, something on the order of a 10% reduction in uh, workforce in their in the warmer winter years relative to the snowier years um, with real impacts on the bottom line. Once I've evaluated my climate risks, what do I do about it? Do I do I purchase some kind of insurance um, to sort of even out the you know the the exposure? Or what are some of the solutions that businesses can can look at? The the TCFD outlines a, a set of principles for doing just that, and one of the initial steps that they recommend is having the, the leadership of the company address this. And so there's that governance piece. And then kind of growing out from that is, is thinking about how this consideration of climate risk can affect the strategy and then how that can roll out into thinking about risk management and then how you can monitor and measure progress. But I think you're asking specifically about like, what are some of the measures that companies can take to manage those risks? And, and insurance is, is, is absolutely one of those. So just distributing that risk is, is certainly one approach that the companies take. Another approach that companies take to distribute risk other than buying insurance is to divert diversify and diversify in ways that kind of separate them from sort of extreme sensitivity to weather. Other things that companies do is create physical barriers, sort of gray approaches. So if they are in a place that's prone to flooding, there are a whole bunch of relatively new technologies for protecting properties from flooding that are being deployed, these sort of portable floodgates that can be put up when storms are approaching. And there are also green approaches that companies are taking. So in our company, one of the things that gives us some uh, level of resilience is our ability to telecommute when there's you know a particular um, weather event that's happening. And if the you know, the tendency would be for more disruptive weather events, that ability um, increases our resilience. So the ability to, to work remotely is is one of a whole slew of, of approaches that companies can take. And that's that's one of the things that we bring and, and others bring when they're helping companies think through that solution space is, is not just sort of one hammer and everything is a nail. So we just have one solution. It's that 
the, the, the robust approach is to think about all of the different ways that a company can respond to the risks and whether that's buying insurance or whether that's, you know, building a wall, all of those things should be on the table. And, and it's, it's not just sort of the effectiveness and the cost that is important in a business thinking this through. It's also what the timing is, because if you, if you spend a whole bunch of money on something that you could just simply replace as part of your normal O&M process, that makes a lot more sense than laying out the money maybe right now to tear down something that's, you know, perfectly good to build something that is, you know, more resilient when you know that in five or 10 years, you're going to have to replace that. So maybe just wait if you can that that five or 10 years and then replace it with something that is similar in cost, but uses a technology that's more resilient to changing weather patterns. Thanks to Peter Schultz for that great overview and introduction to the topic of climate risk. If you're interested in climate risk and would like to learn more, please subscribe to the podcast. You can follow along as we explore this topic in more depth. Thank you.